Welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. What are we smoking tonight, Mike? We are smoking, and I am excited for this one. Me that as well. H. I'm a little surprised. Let me, before you say what we're smoking, I'm a little surprised we're not doing the other um, Saison. Oh, yeah. We could have. I didn't think about it. Hey, that's okay. <laughs> it's our, you know what? It's our show. It is. Look what we want. Okay, so what are we doing, Mike? Sorry to cut you off there. No, no. <laughs> you got me thrown off. I was like, oh, shoot, you're right. Uh, we're going to smoke the uh, H. Upman Vintage Cameroon. The H.P. Lovecraft Vintage Cthulhu? Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I've never like heard that. of this brand, to be honest with you. Uh, but it does say, it says H. Upman, and that's two N's at the end in case you're trying to Google it. Uh, and then it says 1844 and vintage Cameroon underneath it. And it came with a really nice, I mean, really nice, probably, oh, two third um, cedar sleeve with gold uh, ribbon on both ends and stamped in red vintage Cameroon. So very, very nice presentation on this stick. Um, it is a nice presentation, and I have never really heard of it either. So okay, okay. Well, we're trying this for you, the listener. Uh, also, before uh, we're gonna we're gonna light up here. We're gonna light up. We've got a doozy of a topic, a doozy. And uh, Mike, so we've got this. We've got this program, 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 where we can record not in the same space as one another. And we get to pick our little usernames. So I usually go with my, you know, like my gamer tag or whatever. And Mike is usually just Mike. But now, suddenly tonight, he is Lord Mike of the Dell. So <laughs> I'm very interested in the in the little backstory, as long as it's short, because I, I could not handle a long backstory right now. Uh, but if it's a short backstory, very curious. Oh, uh, usually it's Mike, and you fill it in, but we had a little mishap with our emails. So... As quickly as I could, I came up with the coolest uh, name I could think of at the time. So it'll be different next time, I'm sure. <laughs> yes, next time it will probably be Mike. Probably uh, just be Mike. <laughs> yes. Uh, so first puffs. Uh, I mean, I took one puff, but I like it. And I know you can't really judge a stick on the on the first puff, um, but with the, with the underground shade, you can. But this one... <laughs> This one is yes. quite nice. I'm excited uh, for the rest of this one here. Right. I was excited, um, first of all, because I've never heard of this brand. And the presentation is quite nice. You know, the yes. band is really attractive and the packaging is really nice. And uh, typically, if you're going to put shit in a box, you don't you don't have to make the package that nice, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, look at the freaking Swisher Sweets. You right. get them, there's nothing. So apparently the H. Upman, they were brothers and they were pioneers in the cigar industry. Just on a mm. quick uh, quick Google search. We can look, you know what? We can look up more later, but uh, we don't have to right now because we've got a doozy. I don't know if I mentioned that, but it's a doozy of a topic tonight. Yes. It's not going to be Google the show, at least the whole time. No, because I've got five pages of notes. Five pages. Wow. Which is probably less than uh, any show Mike's ever researched. You know, when we do the Mike knows, he's like, I've got uh, 13 books here and I'll read to you them from them. And <laughs> I've read them twice in the last week and, and stuff. So, but it did take me a couple of weeks uh, to get all of this stuff put together. And I had to be careful because it's not really a topic you really want in your like saved Google searches. I mean, Mike knows what the topic is, but you guys don't yet. So 
I felt the same way about my show. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Your show, uh, the next show, the next episode is going to be fun. I'm excited. I'm really excited. Uh, and I'm also excited that we're doing this episode first because I have a couple jokes already pre-worked out. Um, you know, you got to plan these things. So. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Spontaneity um, is the uh, enemy of comedy. Yeah. I mean, pre-planning is pre-planning. And, uh, <laughs> you know, what is it? Um, your lack of planning does not constitute an emergency on my part or something. So. Yep. We're yep. not going to have any humor emergencies on the podcast. We might have other emergencies for sure, but uh, not, uh, not humor. Definitely. My dog is very angry at something in my garden. I don't know what. There's, there's nothing there, but she thinks there is. <laughs> well, then I'm angry at your garden too, Mike. I'm angry mm-hmm. at your garden too. So, What are you pairing your cigar with tonight, by the way? Oh, yes. I did want to talk about that because I went out. So today is the Sunday before Labor Day when we're recording this episode. So this is one yes. of those episodes where there's only like a couple day delay from when we record it to when you hear it. Yes, and it is fucking hot. Oh, man, it's so hot. I had to open my garage early today and turn on all the fans and get some air in here because I really didn't want to sit outside because of the mosquitoes and all that stuff. So it's a decent temperature. I'm not wearing much uh, in way of things. But uh, I am. I went out today. We did some shopping, or I did some shopping because nothing's going to be open tomorrow. And if they are, I really don't want to support them. But I picked up a little four-pack. Uh, you know, I figured two this episode, two next episode. So when you ask me next episode what I'm pairing this with, it'll probably be the same thing unless this episode goes really sideways and I get lit up. Uh, But I'm uh, pairing it with a uh, Prize Miraculum, which is P-R-Y-E-S. It's a Midwest IPA, and it is a local Minnesota Minneapolis beer uh, from down here. Nice. pairing yours with? Uh, I have, I also picked it up today, uh, Summit Twins Pilsner, and then I made myself a Vodka Sunrise. Oh, nice. Yes, because we had uh, orange juice left over, and I yes. wanted to get rid of it. And I also wanted to get rid of my old grenadine. So Perfect. Yep, yep. Probably not the best thing to have with a cigar. Eh, it's not the worst thing either, though. It is a nice thing to have when it's 97 fucking degrees outside. <laughs> that is very, very true. And you know what? On this show, we really don't judge. I mean, we judge other people, but not never our guests and never each other. Mm-hmm. We try not to blast anybody by name. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so the 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 topic, are, do you want to know, do you want me to tell everybody what the topic is tonight, today, this episode? Well, we, we did dangle it, and we haven't yet uh, we disclosed. Oh, we, we did dangle it. it. Yeah, yeah, we did yeah, not yeah. disclose it. So speaking of dangling, this is just the tip. Is it a clip or a snip? So we're talking about circumcision. Uh, but male circumcision. <laughs> we'll we'll bring in the female circumcision a little bit later on, but I'm not going to bring it up, up right now because we're talking about the male circumcision. Uh, and, you know, we're both men, and uh, we're both either are or are not circumcised. So it's one well, of the it's two. a 50-50 option, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's not really a third third option. So I did a bunch of research, and I came up, and I came across a really fascinating book. Very fascinating, and I feel like... If the timelines would have aligned, this person would have been an excellent guest on our podcast. But alas, uh, he's long since dead. But I kind of tried to put it together in some semblance of maybe like something that might make sense of a way to try and talk about this topic. Because I feel like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, or you can tell me what your feelings are, Mike. I never really knew anything about it, really, right? Like probably till, I, I mean, I don't know, like. 
trying to think back on my life. When did I realize circumcision was a thing? And I'm just, I'm just going to go out there because I feel like we can't really talk about this topic without me. I don't know. I, I feel like my research might not be as valid if I am just not fully open and honest. So like being circumcised, I didn't know that that was maybe not how men are born, probably until maybe college or something. I don't know. Like, but I went to high I don't school remember. in like the early 2000s, yeah. right? So like how would I, there was no internet really. And everything that you wanted to download took forever because it, it, the JPEGs loaded line by line, um, you know, pixel line by pixel line. So I had no idea that there was even another way for that. So it was just like, I was raised as that this was normal. And I feel like a lot of people either raise that this is normal or it's not really talked about that much. So I wanted to try and put together this kind of research in a way that made sense for hopefully both parties. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's because circumcision is one of those uh, body mutilations that we as a society just kind of accept. Uh, Now, look, potentially, that's the whole end of my research is, is male circumcision genital mutilation or not? So let's try and reserve judgment (laughs) until then. Okay. Well, I have an opinion on it already. (laughs) I have an opinion on it as well. Okay. I also have an opinion on it. I would like to hear the science, though. Like, uh, hopefully there's some science talk. We're going to go through everything. We're going to go through everything. There's some science talk. Uh, We're going to go through all of it. I almost gave some some major spoilers, and it's like, come on, I'm I'm talking to myself here. Like, come on, Nate. Like, you did all this research, and finally, you have five pages of notes. Whereas, like, usually Mike has the five or six, ten pages of notes, and I'm like, oh, what's going on here? I've never heard of this stuff. So, and I almost like blew the, I almost, I almost blew my wad early, um, and I don't mean to. Mm-hmm. But whatever ends up happening with this episode, I promise you, the listener will be satisfied or not. Uh, well, uh, you know. The main point of the show is so that I can smoke and drink and bullshit with Nate. So I'm going to win either the same, way. The same. I'm, I've am i already won. I've already won. I've been drinking all day because it's fucking Sunday and tomorrow is Labor Day. So no work tomorrow. I still need to pressure wash. You don't have to. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think before we get going, the important thing for all of our listeners to remember is... Mike and I are not medical professionals. Anything we talk about in the show has nothing to do with medical advice. If you think you have a tumor or a rash or a lesion or whatever it is, go seek medical help. We, we don't, I can't, if you are debating on whether or not getting circumcised or circumcising your child, do not take this podcast as uh, scientific evidence. I will put, I will put all of the links to the sources that I cite in the episode description. If you want to do your own research, you can start where I started and you can go from there. I'm not telling you to circumcise or not to circumcise. I am not a religious figure, despite being an ordained minister, and I am not a doctor, despite some some cursory Googling, uh, more so than you have a tumor and you will die. I thought for sure you were going to mention being an Eagle Scout, dude. I thought for sure. Dude, that has... <laughs> Okay, so what? I do, I do. Look, dude, I do one circumcision over summer camp, and now suddenly that's the merit badge I have. Yep. Like, I thought you're going to be like, despite the fact that I have my medic merit badge, or uh, despite the fact that I am certified in CPR. You know. Okay. So I do have my first aid merit badge and my life saving merit badge. Um, And no spoilers, but circumcision is generally not a life saving operation. So it, it. uh, for all the scoutmaster jokes that you have um, out on summer camp, like, hey, I learned how to suck dick from my from my scoutmaster, or you know, whatever, whatever it might be. Um, 
circumcision really doesn't come up that much in Boy Scouts, um, and I can and I can attest to that. <laughs> well, I am uh, CPR certified, and uh, yes, yeah, I am also not yeah, a yeah. medical professional. Yes, <laughs> no, neither of us are medical professional professionals, and generally, generally speaking, when erect, uh, most penises look very much the same. I guess from what I've heard from um, a scientific, statistically important study. From hours and hours of recent research on the internet. That I, that I did. Uh, so I, I figured we'd start with the origins of circumcision, right? So Mike, when I talk to you about circumcision, which we don't ever do that because we also don't talk about like operating systems, you know, when it's like, hey, um, uh, would you recommend Microsoft Windows to a friend? Absolutely not. I don't talk about operating systems with other people. That's, that's not something I talk about. Uh, but Weirdly enough, circumc- we do talk about operating systems, Nate, because we do this show. Yeah, we do the show. We talk about operating <laughs> systems. He's Mac. I'm Linux uh, and also Windows. And I just switched. I just ditched Apple, dude. And I'm on uh, Android. And it's great. Oh, really? Like, cool. Yeah. Well, we can talk about that later um, if we end up with extra time at the end, which we might. I don't know. I mean, we might breeze through this. It might be a, a, a quick snip. I mean, a quick clip. Uh, fuck. I don't know. Something. Uh, snip, snip. Anyway. <laughs> uh, but I, f- I figured we'd talk about the origins a little bit. So when I say circumcision, and I don't, this is not trying to like bait you into some kind of big like racial debate. But when I say circumcision, what does everybody think? What do people think? Like who circumcises the most? The Egyptians, the ancient Egyptians. That's who I'm thinking about. Okay. That's not who you should be thinking about in modern day, but I'll, I'll give I don't want to say the word. I don't want to say it. You can say it. it. This is a this is a truthful and fair and open and honest podcast. And usually, Judaism anything. is strongly yes. associated with circumcision. There you go. And this is um, none of this is done in a way to like criticize any of these religions or civilizations or whatever. Unless at the end we decide that it is genital mutilation, but we have to wait till the end of the episode. So none of all of this is like open and free and happy right now. So. The earliest, the earliest evidence of circumcision, and you're right, Mike, ancient Egyptian, okay, is around uh, 2,300 BC, which is what, at least like 500 years ago, right? Oh, at least 500 years ago. (laughs) Uh, So they've got like Egyptian paintings, and they also um, uncovered a, like a uh, carving, like a a stone carving, and like the top part is kind of cut off, but you can definitely see the the lower parts there's like a person kneeling down and like has like a scissor type device and the other person's like genitalia are clearly out so you can you can tell like it's definitely like circumcision like there's not much question there and I'm not even an, an ancient Egyptologist or uh, like an Indiana Jones like that's not who I am but looking at the picture you're like yeah that dude's gonna get snipped you know but basically for the Egyptians. It was a it was a ritual circumcision as a prerequisite to entering the priesthood. Interesting. So it wasn't uh, society wide. Uh, no, and 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 this is going to be a recurring theme through some of this stuff that we're going to talk about. So I want everyone to keep in mind: circumcision, at least in Egypt, appears to have been a ritual as a prerequisite to becoming a priest. Uh, and this will tie into our our Jewish friends in a little bit. Um, but there's a, a Greek historian, Herodotus. Oh my okay. God! I did. I, I told you that story. <laughs> Which story? Tell me. Tell me. Uh, when I was in college, I was doing research for some paper. Doesn't matter. And uh, so I have the entire collection of Herodotus in, okay. like, on my desk. And my buddy, okay. who was my roommate, was like, "The histories of Herodotus? What's that?" 
And I started, <laughs> I just couldn't, I mean, we were stoners, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I just, I couldn't stop myself from breaking out laughing <laughs> because I was like, oh my God, this is so crates all over again. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I like, I know how to pronounce so- Socrates. Uh, yes. But we've, and this has been like a recurring theme this season on the, on the podcast is Nate can't pronounce stuff. Hardy, har, har. So <laughs> I'm not, Herodotus. Herodotus. I wasn't intentionally being dense. I was just trying, you know, like I don't speak the Greek, right? Trying to abate me is what you're doing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it worked, didn't it? It worked. Okay. So uh, Herodotus, 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 Herodotus. Okay. Uh, So apparently Herodotus recorded this practice in Egypt in the fifth century BC. And in the Semitic tradition, male circumcision is linked to a covenant with God dating back to Abraham. Okay. Early Western scholars attribute it to ancient Egypt, but many scholars today believe that the origin of the practice goes back further and originates with the inhabitants of southern Arabia and parts of Africa. Interesting. That doesn't surprise me. No. And over the millennia, circumcision has been most often used as a religious rite, a rite of passage into manhood, but it's also been a form of punishment in wartime. So modern modern day times, circumcision is widespread in Australia, Canada, the United States, South Korea, most of Africa, parts of Asia, but it's relatively rare for non-religious reasons in like South Af- Southern Africa, Latin America, Europe, and other parts of Asia. Interesting. All right. And um, because we had on our show, and I'm good friends with Simha, I did ask him a few things about circumcision, him being Jewish. And, um, but you know, I wanted to get an expert's opinion on this. And so he, he, he pointed me in, in some certain directions. And so I did find some stuff because uh, what, okay. Is Robin Hood men in tights, right? And you've got Friar talking. He's got the little like Dick guillotine. Yes. Mel Brooks. Yes. Yeah. Mel Brooks. Right. So I feel like it's, it's safe to say most often when people nowadays think of circumcision, the first thing is. Is a Jewish ritual, and that doesn't have to be. That doesn't have to be something negative. It doesn't have to be something, you know. But it just it is what it is because that's part of their religion. So, but anyway, so I, I tried to do a bunch of uh, different research, and so I've got this whole whole section here now called ancient practitioners. So we're trying to figure out where this kind of came from and what was going on here. So let me take a couple more puffs off the off the cigar. Do you have any questions so far, Mike? We've kind of broadly said that. It could have come from Africa. It could have come from Egyptians. I mean, Egypt is in Africa or on the African continent. It's on the African continent, but it's, I mean, it's a Mediterranean uh, yeah, it's not really imperial nation. In terms of like historical sense, it's not really considered part of Africa. Well, it's part of Africa, but it's North Africa. And North Africa was part of the Mediterranean slash European zeitgeist. Yeah. I mean, I'm it's just a Western saying nation. that it's, it's definitely on the African continent, but it wasn't necessarily classified as an African nation. You know, it was Mediterranean, like you said. You know, there was a lot of different people it's not there, Niger. regions there and, and stuff. Yeah, let's not yeah. go there. Um, let's not go there. <laughs> okay, it's not... Uh... You leave the farmers alone, okay? <laughs> Yes. So we're going to we're going we're going to ancient practitioners. So it says here, or the research that I've done. Uh, these are all my notes that I took. <laughs> so I'm like, it says here all the notes I took previously. 
Uh, last episode, you heard me take notes. No. Uh, so there's no really evidence, uh, archaeological or textual, within or beyond the Torah, uh, to support that the notion of circumcision was customary among the Canaanites. Canaanites? Canaanites. Uh, Homer Canaanites. Didn't, yes. Homer didn't mention anything about circumcision being customary in his work Troy, uh, which goes by Ilion in other languages, I guess. The Iliad. The Iliad. It's not Iliad. It's I with a with a asterisk over the top of it or apostrophe over the top of it. L I O N. Oh, was that and then Iliad? Parentheses. It says it says Troy. So interesting. Apparently, has a work called Troy. I mean, I feel like he was fairly fairly he had more works than the Iliad and the Odyssey, right? Like he probably wrote more than two books. Uh, it's my understanding that Homer is more of a mythic character. That's like like uh, Jesus. Uh, not like Jesus. It'd be like uh, John who wrote a book in the Bible. Like, it's not really one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. John and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John didn't really write anything. Uh, right. Well, like John supposedly not, wrote a, several books. It's like, no, no. Yeah. So. Well, and apparently, supposedly, this person named Jesus lived, but there's not a whole awful lot of proof to corroborate that. So, but we're, Hold on that, a second, bro. A guy told look, me that dude. there was a fountain in Judea that they just discovered. So obviously Jesus I know, was real. And it had the same number of pillars that exactly. the Bible said it did. Exactly. But that's that's another episode. We're just talking about snipping, snipping the dick here, okay? Hopefully, I mean, there's not really like a hashtag sarcasm, but, you know, uh, our last exchange was. So there's also some Roman historians, Titus Livius uh, of Alexandria. Uh, he didn't really write anything about circumcision occurring among the uh, Carthaginians. Uh, or any other Phoenician settlements north in North Africa. Phoenician. Yeah, Phoenician. Uh, is that Phoenician blind or Venetian blind? Venetian. Okay, we're we're with we're all on the same page here now. Uh, and the Sumerians, nor the Akkadians or Assyrians, uh, they didn't know or adopt circumcision. And there's no description or support from any archaeological evidence that this uh, custom was used in connection with the cult of God Il L L or other Semitic deities before Abraham first visited Egypt. Okay, that's a lot of, like, mumbo-jumbo stuff, but these are all, like, ancient religious cults and, and, I don't know, cult probably, I'm sorry. Most of them were empires. Most of them were empires. Syrians, Akkadians, uh, yeah, yeah, those are, like, the Canaanites or the Canaanites. Yeah, yeah, I mean, those are, like, empires. So none of them did circumcision. Uh, So even in the Old Testament, Eliezer from Damascus whom Abraham rescued on his way to Canaan, was apparently uncircumcised. So the name Eliezer, Eliezer, L-E-I-E-Z-E-R, in Hebrew means God in the aid, indicating that he was a believer in God. And so Abraham, when heading to Canaan for a long time thereafter, he was also uncircumcised. So Abraham was, uh, Abraham was uncircumcised, according to things, texts back then. According to the Torah, Abraham was finally circumcised at the age of... You know, 93. 90. You were very, very close. A lot closer than I would have given you credit for. Uh, so at the age of 90, he was circumcised, which is wild because we always hear about like, hey, our life expectancy is getting longer and longer and longer. But, you know, Abraham 90, he's like, yeah, I'm still, you know, young enough. Let's let's clip this stuff off here. There's quite a few biblical characters that lived quite extensive, oh, yes. <laughs> quite long yes. lives. Yes. Um, so it's also written that Eliza and all the other males in Abraham's family were circumcised at the same time. Good, good going, Abraham. 
Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, so the evidence kind of supports that during pre-Abraham times, circumcision wasn't really a Semitic custom or required by God. Okay, it says God ill, L, or all. So I-L-E-L or A-L. So on the door of the sixth dynasty tomb of the pharaoh Ankh-Mahor, this is going to be, I sh- you know what I should have done? I should have typed all these names into like Google text-to-speech and practiced my pronunciation for this episode, but I didn't. Uh, but there's a circumcision scene depicted. Oof. This was uh, 2,355 to 2,343 BCE. It's the oldest example of circumcision from ancient Egypt. Now, here's where we start getting interesting because we're still kind of going through some of the ancient stuff, right? We're getting out. It's all this ancient stuff. It's kind of, it's, I don't know. Maybe you're interested in it. Maybe you're not. I don't know. It's, it's For me, it's moderately interesting. I find it to be interesting. I'm sure Mike's at of... half mass this whole time, you know. Oh, you know, I'm, I've been rubbing. But Mike's also a history major, and you, the listener, might not be, and I'm not. Um, but I do find history to be interesting. But, I mean, we're also talking about, like, ancient dicks, so they got to smell bad, right? I'm guessing so. Like, what was dick hygiene? Like, I can only think of, like, and I always come back to this, and it, I don't know if it's right or wrong, but, like, you know, the settlers, the American, the European settlers going out west for gold and, like, the Oregon Trail and walking across Death Valley and fucking wool three-piece suits, you know, like, and they don't really bathe. Like, it's got to smell bad. It. I mean, yeah, and there's animals everywhere, <laughs> and they're not bathing, well, and there's too. no that clean too. water. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. the biggest thing. You yeah. don't have clean yeah. water. Not like well, we I have. Know, like, the, the, Roman, the Romans had baths and aqueducts and stuff like that, so it, it's all fine and dandy, but, you know, like some of these other cultures, I don't know. Okay, so Yeah, it's going to smell like a, like a wet market. Uh, you know, it's not going to be nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so to carry on with what I mentioned earlier that would that I said would come back time and time again. In ancient Egypt, the performance of circumcision was initially limited to the priesthood, who in addition to the cleanliness that this operation imparted to that class, class, added the shaving of the whole body as a means of further purification. So once the priesthood, the religious class, starts doing circumcision, guess who follows? The nobility? Royalty and higher warrior class also adopted circumcision as well. And there's that makes and, sense. And, and research says it was either as a hygienic precaution or this is my emphasis here, more likely, an aristocratic prerogative and insignia. Okay, and this is gonna come back throughout what we're talking about here with circumcision. Is it started out in ancient Egypt is a class marker. And then the nobility and royalty and the other classes, higher classes adopted it as well. Uh, and among the Greeks, uh, around the times of uh, Pythagoras, the philosophers, the Greek philosophers were also circumcised, but there's no mention really that the circumcision went beyond the intellectual class. So it's really, they're really talking about the research that I've done, you know, and it was like this, you know, this research is probably enough to get like a, I don't know, a B plus or an A minus. In a college course, right? Like I'm not gonna go I'm not gonna go write a treatise on circumcision. But I wanted to present like this is something like where did it come from? Why are people doing this? What's going on here? So I'm you know, I'm trying to satisfy the curiosity itch, but go maybe a little bit further than just base curiosity. Right. Right. We've got that with the classes. And now I I we're kind of moving through my things. I hope that kind of makes sense. This is kind of like when I was doing the research, this is kind of what made sense for me to kind of chunk these out as. Um, so I'm kind of, we're going to go into some current practitioners. Hell yeah. So we've Jews, got- uh, Americans. Okay. Easy, yes. Mike, easy. You said you were going to say that term. 
Ah, I mean, it's like I'm talking about Americans. Offensive. I'm talking about Americans. A... I'm okay. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so current practitioners. So circumcision currently is practiced in one of three ways. We've got the ancient traditional method. The now common method, which was introduced by rabbis, and the medical method used by most non-Jews and non-Muslims. Okay, so the last method here has kind of been disconnected from religion or tradition with the rationale mostly attributed to hygiene. Okay, but here's where it kind of gets a little interesting is because medical circumcision, meaning not religious or traditional, um, was widely used by the British Army prior and during World War II to prevent military personnel serving in Asia and Africa from contracting sexually transmitted diseases. Is that effective? We're going to get into that. We're not going to answer that right now. (laughs) But that was kind of like, that was the biggest or most recent like medical with, you know, the air quotes, medical reason to to circumcise. They didn't want to get the the their military men coming back with some weird disease. So, but the, the whole point is the British army was like, "Hey, our men are going out there. We don't want them to come back with diseases. We've heard or somebody said that maybe like snipping that will prevent it." Okay, so here's okay, I thought I was going to like save this for later, but apparently part of this research is it is clear that medical circumcision for the preventing of sexually transmitted diseases has no evidence basis. So, it has no evidence basis. Right. Likewise, the notions that circumcision will prevent boys from masturbating or developing epilepsy are baseless and bizarre. Are you telling me that Western doctors would perform uh-huh. medical procedures with no evidence? Yes, but only with circumcision. Nothing to do with gender reassignment. Oh, I wasn't even thinking about that. <laughs> well, don't. Don't think about that. We don't want you to. It's best not anyway, to. Anyway, carry on. There's also, so in the United States, France, and England, there's a class it's a class, a class thing that observes circumcision as a hygienic precaution. Okay. That sounds like it might be something that the lower classes do. Ah, to me, it sounds like something that the class that can afford to go to Epstein Island and not uh, take any flack for it would do, but to each their own. <laughs> we don't know. There's no evidence on that because they haven't released that data. I understand. Okay. I'm going to get into some of the religious stuff with Judaism. Because I had a very good question, I thought I felt like it. I felt like it. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of go on the on the basis of the Judaic reasoning for circumcision. And then I'm gonna tell you my question, and then I'm gonna tell you the answer to my question. Sound good? Yes, it sounds very good. I'm about halfway okay. done with my cigar, by the way. Me as I'm sure well. You're not it's, yet. It's pretty good. You. It is good. Off me. Let's not fight this episode, Mike. <laughs> it did not have nice ash. I only got about an inch on it. Yeah, the Sad. ash hasn't been as good as some of the other ones, but it's been tastier than some of the other ones too. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I so I quite like it. I'm just about to I like start it. Page, page three of my notes, so it's a good halfway halfway cigar checkpoint. So good call, Mike. Oh, perfect. I haven't got a lot of flavor change. It's been pretty steady. No, it's been uh, it's been solid. It's been. I know we haven't said that this is the right term, but I'm going to say buttery. Like it's been smooth. You know, like. Not not yeah. tasting like butter, but you know when you like you eat some bread or you eat something and it's just like it's like just moist enough and it's just flavorful enough and it's just it's not necessarily like a punch in the taste buds, but it's like it's like checking all your boxes. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So this one's quite quite delightful to me. Uh, so in Judaism, they call it a uh, well, probably mispronounce this. It's B R I S. Bris. I'm gonna say bris. Bris. Yeah. Um, so that's a physical symbol of the relationship between God and the Jewish people. And so it's a constant reminder of what the Jewish mission entails. And this is uh, from Chabad.org. And they say that uh, this reminder 
of the covenant between God and man is something that men need more than women. Is there any reason for that, or is it just a claim that is unsubstantiated? Uh, I'm sure it's not un- unsubstantiated, but I'm not sure that it has any kind of like scientific basis. I mean, so if we get down to it, right? So yeah, it's let's, religious. Let's, so it's it's religious. So let's let's look at it this way: as a young man in high school, when you got your driver's license, did did your parents' insurance rate go up more? Then your best female friend's parents' insurance rate went up. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to guess. It did. It yes. Did. I know young that. Men, uh, young men cause a greater spike in insurance premiums than young women, despite the fact that statistically speaking, young women are worse drivers than young men. Young women get in more accidents than young men. That's, that's not what Hollywood would have you believe. That's not what society would have you believe. But as a young man, you make your parents' insurance go up more so than a young female. So I know that my insurance as a young male adult was higher than all of my girlfriends, and I had a better driving record than all of them. Yes. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, yeah. is there a reason that the, the Jewish men need a um, bigger reminder than Jewish women? Maybe religiously, but I'm sure statistically it's probably not true. But religiously, sure. it might be true. And I, you know, that's, I guess the, the, the trouble with like kind of researching some of these topics or like this topic in, in particular is it's so ingrained in certain religions and certain traditions and certain other things, you know, that to answer fully all of these questions, it would be a 25 page document of notes rather than a five page. So I tried to, not question extra questions that popped up. Like, do Jewish men need a bigger reminder than Jewish women? That's, I, I don't know. Maybe. Maybe they do. Maybe they don't. I don't know. They uh, they do seem to really avoid the the vaginal blood. So maybe, maybe they're onto something. I don't know. Maybe they're not. Who knows? Tough to say. Well said. <laughs> I guess they have like a... Um, I don't know if you play like video games and stuff and like you try and like spam this thing that gives you like resources or whatever, but there's like a cooldown time, right? You know, like you can only spam it every five minutes or something. Well, apparently like after a, a Jewish woman's period, there's like a seven day cooldown period where it's not allowable, you know, for hanky panky and stuff. Um, but yeah, sure. they put a, they put a timeline on, and they also put a timeline on after giving birth. That those both seem reasonable in yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't ancient seem society. <laughs> yeah, well, and they even seem reasonable in modern society. I guess, like honestly, um, oh for sure. You know, but I'll, I'll tell you, like the um, let's just. <laughs> I don't mean to be like I'm not trying to like minimize this by what I'm about to say. I'm just trying to like phrase it in like a conversational way, not in a making fun of way. But like the cooldown period on giving birth is less than the medically prescribed, let's say, cooldown after a C-section. Sure. So, Bill, they so didn't... the medically prescribed C-section is like longer than what the, the Jewish, like after giving birth cooldown period is. Well, they were trying to make these decisions in ancient times. They didn't have years of medical research to back up their claim. They just knew it was a good idea. No, and yeah, and I, I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm yeah. not trying to say anything negative about it. I'm just saying, like, if yeah, we're yeah, looking I at mean, this and saying, like, it seems understandable that it wouldn't be the same. An American doctor is saying after a C-section, you need X number of weeks before even thinking about doing it. And the Jewish people are like, hey, we need slightly less number of weeks before doing it. Like, that's. 
I mean, I, I feel like that's a good like feather in their cap for them. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're close to what Western medicine says. And Western medicine is probably saying like, you can go back a lot earlier than you think because we got to have you back to work. We got to make you making money for the rich people. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. It's going to be the minimum allowable time for sure. Well, undoubtedly. So anyway, not, not supposed to be like a judgment thing. Uh, but so my question then was, what's the point of religion, right? Like the point of religion is we want to try and emulate God. We want to try and emulate the religious figure. We want to be like them. And in the Bible, it says God created man in his image or her image or however you translate the ancient Hebrew or whatever it is. So my question was, if we are made in God's image, is God circumcised or not? No. Ah, that's where you might be wrong, my friend. Mm, okay. According to Chabad.org, God created the world imperfect and gave humans the mission to perfect it. So God created wheat and humans make bread. God created a jungle and humans create civilization. And the point is that God himself or herself, the giant God Schlong, is circumcised and he gave humans the extra bit of skin in order to make them make the covenant with God by snipping that little bit of skin off and proving that they are worthy of God's love. You would think in the handbook that we all got at birth, that would have been a little bit bigger print because I never got that message growing up Catholic. But that's, ca that's Catholicism. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't know why my handbook is that much different. Well, now look, I grew up Lutheran, which is Catholic light, basically. Yes. Even though they'll, they'll, they'll bitch and moan about how different it is from Catholicism. Me? But it is not. No, oh, not, not really. you. I'm just oh. saying people. Like the Lutherans oh, sure. like, well, we, you know, Martin Luther, we seceded from those evil Catholics and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, why are you doing all the Catholic shit then? Yeah, you're not speaking do, do in they Latin, have saints and stuff? But it's all the same shit. They don't have saints, but they still have all the same, like, the Lord's Prayer, the communion, and they don't, they, I mean, they don't, so they don't do the uh, confessional. But they have, like, just almost, not quite as long, but, like, almost as long services, and, like, a lot of the same things are there. If you've been to both kinds of services, which I have, the only Catholic service that was dr drastically different for me than a Lutheran service was um, in Annapolis. I went to a Catholic service on the base, and it was fully in Latin. So very easy to sleep through, I guess, is the summation of that. How could you do that? I mean, when I was actively Catholic, I always skipped leg day at the gym. You know what I mean? Oh, I know what you mean. Uh, I was a lot more fit uh, in those days, so I could kneel and stand up, kneel and stand up, kneel and stand up uh, ad nauseum. Anyway, back to the topic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's all kind of part of the topic. Uh, Catholics, they don't, the Catholics don't really circumcise, do they? No. No. Uh, no, no. Especially not like I, the German Catholics. Yeah. So um, my grandmother was full-blooded German and we were Lutheran. So I feel like that kind of had part of part of something to do with it. I feel like Lutherans are more pro-circumcision than Catholics, but I could be wrong. Uh, probably. I mean, there's looking back at it, I think that a lot of the Catholic teaching is anti-Semitic. Uh, not yeah. like uh, not like overtly anti-Semitic, but yeah, it's yeah, definitely yeah. subtext. Well, uh, it's um, probably developed or, you know, like Judaism and Catholicism like coexisted for a long enough time before these other Protestant religions came out, that Catholicism has probably evolved to become anti-Judaic and vice versa, right? Yeah, I would say that it's less now than it was 
uh, oh, for sure, yeah. 80 years ago, let's say, to be to yeah. put a specific date on it, about 80 years ago. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it's still there. It's still subtext. Yeah. yeah. So our next little, uh, little foray is going to be into medical necessity. And I know you were talking about medical necessity and whether or not circumcision will reduce the risk of things. Now, this is from the National Library of Medicine. And, it, and they say it's become clear in recent years that circumcision has long-term medical benefits. There were three randomized trials in Africa that demonstrated that medical circumcision reduces the acquisition of HIV among males by 51 to 60 percent and reduces the acquisition of genital herpes by 28 to 34 percent. And, um, and it reduces the risk of human papillomavirus, which may lead to penile cancer, by 32 to 35 percent. Long-term analysis, they claim, has also suggested that these preventative benefits increase over time. So, I mean, you know, 28 to 30 percent, 30 to 35 percent, those are all like fine numbers. But I guess like the big one is the HIV apparently dropping by 51 to 60 percent. So it does lower your odds of getting a venereal disease. Well, according to three randomized trials in Africa. Hmm. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. I'm, you know, like, I'm just saying, like... It this, might be suspect. This, it might be true, but it might, I, it be, might suspect. be true. It might be suspect. It might be true. Uh, so there are instances where, and this is according to the Mayo Clinic now, where there's a, there is a medical need for circumcision, okay? And I did talk to uh, a nurse from the neonatal, neonatal intensive care unit, and they said a lot of uh, preemies, preemie boys, need to be circumcised for medical reasons, and so this now is according to the Mayo Clinic, this is kind of the research to kind of back that up, is the foreskin can be too tight to be pulled back or retract, retracted. So especially with, and especially with preemie babies, they kind of swell up with fluids. So then it becomes an issue when the foreskin can't retract as intended, right? Sure, sure. And then, and then the Mayo Clinic here to, to counter, maybe not counter, but to shed some additional light on what we previously read from the National Library of Medicine, the Mayo Clinic says, in other cases, particularly in parts of Africa, circumcision is recommended for older boys or men to reduce the risk of sexually transmitted infections. Well, there we go. If you're living in an area where sexual infections are rampant, it will probably help, I guess. But it's interesting that these two independent websites, one is a .gov, one's a .org, would kind of say Africa is kind of a shithole. For STDs. You know what I mean? I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I know that supposedly AIDS is very common there, but it doesn't have the same symptoms as AIDS in the United States. So it's yeah, questionable I'm just, whether I'm just or not. saying that it's interesting that they said that the National Library of Medicine was like, oh, yeah, uh, circumcision is awesome. It, it cuts down uh, HIV. Yeah, in Africa, you know what I mean? Like, right. I'm just I'm not I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying we have to take some of this stuff and be like, okay, well they're citing three different trials in Africa. They're not necessarily citing like three different trials in Detroit or mm -hmm. Dallas or, you know, Japan some, or South I, Korea know, yeah, or some place I mean, where there's like standards that we would recognize. Yeah, uh, and, and maybe like easy access to prophylactics, you know, like condoms right. or safe sex or other, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe, you know what? Maybe circumcision is is great, and everybody should do it. I don't know. You know, I mean, right. whole point I want to study from like, New Zealand. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> 
Canada. <laughs> was, was was Frodo circumcised? I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how hobbits reproduce for the most part. So I, I don't know either. Um, I'm sure there's a, a lovely fanfic out there about that whole thing. Now, one of the other interesting things when I was talking to, to our, our friend Simha was that he said that there were people that were born circumcised. And I thought to myself, that has to be silly. So I looked it up, okay? So in the book, The Fathers According to Rabbi Nathan, whom I'm predisposed to like because that's a variation of my full name, but there are uh, a whole list of people from the Israeli scriptures, Israelite scriptures, that are born circumcised. They include Adam, no last name needed, Seth, also no last name needed, Shem, Noah, Jacob, Joseph, and Moses, the wicked Balaam, Samuel, David, Jeremiah, and some name I can't pronounce, Zerubbabel, Babel, Z-E-R-U-B-B-A-B-E-L. I am not going to attempt to pronounce that. I do yeah, not know what that is. Let's, let's move along. So uh, it's be, being born without a foreskin was regarded as a privilege of the most saintly of people. So they were people made in the image of God. Has this been so, recorded to happen in modern times? That was my next question. <laughs> it's called it's called apostia, A P O S T H I A. In parentheses is natural circumcision. It's the condition of being born without a uh, prepuce. Prepuce? P R E P U C E, which is the medical jargon for foreskin. So you can literally be born without a foreskin. But according to the National Library of Medicine, only sporadic cases are ever reported. So it's not a it's not a common thing. But it, you know, we talked about on a, a previous episode about uh, if two blonde-haired, blue-eyed people make a baby, it could be redheaded and brown-eyed or something. You know what I mean? Like it's 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 not super common, but it can apparently medically happen. Yes. Uh, the other question I had was, this, and maybe this is more of an episode about how my brain works and less about circumcision, but hopefully it's both. I mean, hopefully it's more about the circumcision and nobody's trying to like psychoanalyze me because that would be bad, I think. Um, but I live at Mike's house and my name is also Mike. So, um, you know, <laughs> if you need to commit me, uh, that's where I am. So then I thought, what about, so, so we kind of went through, we went through like the ancient, like the origins of it. And, you know, I wasn't, like, super satisfied with, like, well, ancient Egypt did it and whatever. But that's fine. Uh, and then we kind of went through, like, modern times. And then we kind of went through, you know, like, religious reasons, medical reasons. People born circumcised. Well, then I thought, well, what about uncircumcised adults that choose circumcision? Like, what's the studies on that? Well, like, what's going on there? Is that a thing? Because uh, we, we had a son not that long ago, three months ago. And this, of course, was a topic open for discussion in our household prior to his birth. And, of course, and you might not know this, Mike, but you probably do, because if you do anything in life, you know there's a whole, uh, was it cadre? Like a slew, like a whole bunch of people that want to give you input on whatever it is that you're trying to do, right? Whether it's raise a kid oh, or sure. a dog, uh, if you want to try and like learn pickleball, like everybody has an opinion. We all have one. Yes. Or multiple. But there was somebody who said that they chose not to circumcise their son. And when their son was an adult, they chose circumcision. They chose to go have it done. So I was like, well, that's interesting. Like, would people choose that? You know, like, I just, everybody has a, has a different, like, life circumstance. But for me, like, it's a fairly sensitive area, but at least for me. Would I choose to have things cut off of it? I Probably not. Like, that'd probably be my last inclination. You know what I mean? But I don't have the luxury of, like, 
saying that because that choice was made for me when I was an infant. So apparently, like some older older boys and men need to have a circumcision due to medical problems. Uh, some of them have a scarring of the foreskin that stro- stops it from retracting, which kind of goes back to that, you know, like medical reason for an infant, right? Like if it doesn't retract, you get all sorts of um, infections and, and stuff because you can't just have like pee, you know, up in yep. your body and stuff. It's got it's to get rid of there. You can have recurring inflammation or recurring inflections, uh, infections. Uh, and you can have a foreskin apparently that's too tight that causes pain or spraying when urinating. So I guess the way that modern uh, urinals are designed doesn't doesn't take into account like a foreskin that's too tight. So if you find yourself at like the state fair with the the urinary trough, the pee, the pee trough, and you're not getting it in the trough, you probably need to be circumcised because you probably have a foreskin that's too tight. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm just saying. Right. This is not medical advice. Warning, uh, warning. And, and then, yeah. And then there's also like if you have recurrent urinary tract infection, tract, urinary tract infections, uh, that would be another medical reason for choosing circumcision. So you've got adult circumcision and there's, uh, so that was from betterhealth.gov. And then we've got a uh, medstarhealth.org, which says that you there's some skin conditions as well, in addition to what we just talked about, that might lead people to choose circumcision, which are genital warts. So if you have warts developing on your foreskin, I'm sorry this episode is gross, everybody. It, it is what it is. You know, like we should be comfortable talking about this stuff, I guess. I don't well, want facts to. Facts are the facts, you know, facts the fa- are the facts. I mean, the facts are the facts, you know. And maybe, you know what, you know what? People talk about getting uh, mammograms and they set up these free mammogram booths and stuff. Like, this is this is that for men, okay? If you have genital warts on your foreskin, talk to your doctor, okay? Like, just do it. It's not a big deal. Um, it says it says circumcision might help with that. Um, there's an immune-mediated uh, skin condition called uh, lichen sclerosis, and it can cause the scarring of the foreskin. It causes it to become too tight, around the shaft and head of the penis, and that can make infections. So if you have that, talk to your doctor. See if circumcision is right for you. And there's something called phimosis, which is uh, the foreskin tightens and kind of traps urine underneath the skin, which is a bad situation all around, as most of us can imagine. So there are definitely, I mean, kind of answer your question, Mike, like there's some like preventative medical things that kind of sort of might be based in scientific fact for circumcision, but there's definitely some things that, a man can experience or an older boy can experience where you might want to get circumcised if you have not been. Like if there's pain, if there's tightness, if there's warts and infections, right? Yeah, that all makes sense. Yeah. I mean, so there's definitely, there are definitely some medical things. Is it enough medical things to preventatively do it? We're going to come to that. I'm going to guess no. (laughs) I'm going to guess no, since uh, they weren't chopping dicks off like 100,000 years ago or 10,000 years ago or whatever. So uh, yeah, I mean that's true. I want to try and find. So I found this amazing book. It was crazy good. This guy. Um, let me see if I can find which. Uh, yes, here it is. So it was. Uh, this book is called Prehistory of Circumcision from the Earliest Times to the Present, and it was written in 1891. And this dude, he was not publishing a scientific article. If that's what you're trying to look for, but this guy was <laughs> like, "Why are we chopping people's dicks off?" And I'm like 1891, like I'm an 1890s motherfucker. Like, why are we doing this shit? And like, he went and did all this research about like the ancient Egyptians. And uh, that was part of the stuff that I, that I quoted. But then he also like, he went through like, dude, and you can find it on like Project Gutenberg. I'm going to put the mm-hmm. link in the thing in the description. But like, the, it's the whole book there. And the table of contents alone is worth the read. Just the table of contents. You don't have to read the whole book. But like, <laughs> it's like, if you can imagine somebody like in the 1800s, 
being like, dude, what's going on with this? And trying to figure it out. He doesn't have the internet, right? And he's like, was this guy English going, or was he an American? What's going on here? I'm sure he was English. I don't know. Oh, that I would love that. Like, yeah, I mean, late like Victorian, early Edwardian dude, English so guy. Good. It's so yeah. good. Like the whole the the way the the tone of the book was amazing. Like you're like, oh my god, this guy is just like stream of consciousness writing about what he's finding out. Almost, you know what I mean? Like it was not what you would expect from a scientific article or journal today where it's like removed emotionally. So it's very interesting. It's entertaining. Yes. And I I feel like, I feel like he did as best as he could scientific, you know, like to make it scientific, right? Like he wasn't trying to be uh, conversational with it. It just kind of like came out because it was, you know, it was 1890. Like, what are you going to do? Like you can't, you know, you don't have the, um, the same kind of like high science that we have nowadays with things where it's like, well, you can't question this or I can't have feelings about this or I can't. It was a little bit different, you know, a little bit different era, but that doesn't mean that his research was any less justified. You know what I mean? Yes. Do you want to talk about uh, the national trends or do you want to talk about whether or not it's genital mutilation first? National trends. Genital mutilation is probably be the, the end cap. I think that'll be the, the nightcap. Yeah. So they they did a study on the thirty two uh, thirty two year period between nineteen seventy nine through two thousand ten. Uh, the national rate of newborn circumcision in the United States here declined by ten percent overall. So in nineteen seventy nine, the rate was sixty four point five percent of newborn men were circumcised, and in two thousand ten, it was fifty eight point three percent. Interesting. Uh, the highest circumcision rate ever was in 1981 at 64.9%, and the lowest ever was 2007 at 55.4. And this is according to the CDC. I'm kind of surprised that it's that low. I figured it would be significantly higher in the United States. Okay. I, I mean, I not that like I've done any research like on it. Fairly normal um, based on an independent I mean, I... study of pornography, but that was done by somebody else. <laughs> totally me. <laughs> yes. I'm not I'm not looking that close. <laughs> yeah. That's not what I'm looking at. I'm just saying like, you know, AI helped. Um mm-hmm. uh, so there's uh this other thing here where it says that a uh there's a social anthropologist named Sarah John's daughter and she pointed out that there's not a one-to-one relationship between the amount of genital tissue removed in males, females, or even intersex people. And either subjective satisfaction while having sex or feeling of having been personally harmed because one private's parts were altered. Uh, medically unnecessary genital surgeries of whatever degree of severity will affect different people differently. Uh, this is what she says. This is because each individual's relationship to their own body is unique, including what they find aesthetically appealing and what degree of risk they feel comfortable taking on when it comes to elective surgeries on the reproductive organs and even what degree of sexual sensitivity they prefer for personal or cultural reasons. That's why ethicists are beginning to argue that individuals should be left to decide what to do with their own genitals when it comes to irreversible surgery, whether whatever their sex or gender. And uh, this is the Sarah John's daughter, and there's a Dr. Brian D. Earp. And so this is kind of their take on circumcision. There's another thing here where, uh, and we're going to briefly talk about female uh, female circumcision which was uh, primarily an African, can I say Negroid? This is what is from the source, I, an African Negroid custom. Uh, that used to be the, like the technical term. I think that it is yeah. now considered racist. You know but, what, I'm sure it is. I'm sure uh, it is. This is at one point in time, paper. that was the scientific term that was accepted. 
Um, and I'm so quoting was, a research paper. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. This isn't my own uh, words. But they. Um, but this scientific journal says that uh, the African Negroid custom is not discussed in detail because it is an inhumane custom based on total selfishness. So they're talking about the ancient, an ancient version of the belt of fidelity, in which uh, ancient Greece used circumcision when their warriors headed to war, and its main purpose. And this was female circumcision. They would circumcise the women when the men went to war to prevent the women and their partners from receiving sexual acts and from receiving pleasure from those acts, and in part to reduce fertility by preventing complete expulsion of menstrual blood from the womb. So, you know, the female circumcision was kind of to uh, population control. Sure. Uh, and then so let's say here that uh, I've got another study here from the National Library of Medicine where neonatal male circumcision is a generally safe procedure with an overall complication rate, and this is in Israel, of just 0.34%. But they say that some patients do experience risk. And complications from male circumcision are usually minor, often involving bleeding, oozing, or a local infection, and they're almost always correctable. That's that. I have one last thing before we get in, before we kind of like you and I kind of talk about what our thoughts are. Do you have any any thoughts so far, Mike? Uh, no, I, I no, not really. Which means you do, but you're going to hold on to them until the end. Yes, I believe so. All right. So here's something from the. Oxford Journal of Legal Studies. And I wanted to mention this because this is going to tie into what I'm going to say because I, I read a lot of things on whether or not male circumcision is genital mutilation or not. And we're going to get into it a little bit, but here is uh, an abstract from the Oxford Journal of Legal Studies. And it says, in the United Kingdom, male genital cutting is in principle legal and may even be ordered by a court which is weird, like the court could order you to become circumcised. Whereas female genital cutting is a criminal offense. Yes. So basically they're trying to propose that there's a different foundation for the categorical rejection of female genital cutting versus the male medical cutting. And the best the best thing I read, which I didn't I didn't cite or quote, but because it was one of those things where it's kind of like somebody's opinion, but it was somebody who was not just some guy or some dude or some woman or some whatever hiding behind like a user handle online. But this is somebody. And they were saying, look, when we talk about genital mutilation and you talk about male circumcision, most people will come out and say, yeah, but compared to female circumcision, it's nothing. Now, what this person said was, we generally, when we're comparing male and female circumcision, Generally, people are taking the absolute worst case scenario for female circumcision or female genital mutilation, and they're comparing it to the best case scenario of male circumcision or male genital mutilation, because there are a lot of other forms of female genital mutilation or, or female circumcision that don't don't involve the cutting of everything off. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's something called like nicking, I guess, and I don't know what that is or what it does because I didn't really want to know. You know, some of this stuff is like, I don't want to know. Um, but basically, they're, they're saying, like, we take the worst possible scenario of the female version and compare it to the best possible version of the male version. So we're not really comparing apples to oranges here. When we're talking about is circumcision, male circumcision, is that genital mutilation? Well, it's certainly mutilating genitals. Uh, if you look at the genitals as not being, you know, oh, if normal yeah. is what you're born with, standard issue, and you're uh, modifying it, then you could describe it as mutilation. 
Yeah. Right. I like, mean, you know, like, and, and so part of it is too, Mike, like I, I wanted to talk about this and I'm glad you brought it up. The way we're born is, and, I, and I, this isn't meant to be some huge philosophical gender affirming or denying or whatever. This is just like, as we're born, we're supposed to be able to survive. Look at any other creature on the planet, right? Like how they're born. And sometimes, yes, sometimes there's a, there's a calf. Uh, have a, a medical issue that the farmer or somebody needs to correct so that they can live. Yes, of course, of course, you know, but by and large, like the majority of baby cows should be able to live on their own as they are. And the same with humans. I mean, so what? So we have um, tonsils. What do tonsils do? Nobody knows. I mean, I'm sure people know. I don't know. I know a lot of people get them out and they live just fine. What does the appendix do? I don't know. People get it out and it's fine. Like those are kind of like the two most common like things, right? I mean, I don't know about most common. I'm not a doctor, but you know, appendicitis and, and tonsil tonsillectomies, like those are kind of the things, right? They seem pretty common. I've heard of them at least. So, you know, it's not like people are electively choosing to get those things out, but they don't necessarily serve a purpose, but you can live with them. You can live without them, you know, like gallbladder, spleens. I don't know. Like those things are kind of like extra organs from an evolutionary past is the foreskin an evolutionary thing from the past that we don't need nowadays i mean we don't need it for sure but do we not not need it you know what i mean like i mean that's kind of the question i mean i think that it's just a cultural relic of the past and maybe i think a lot of the ancient prescriptions uh have origins that are bathed in mystery you know yeah. maybe it did serve a viable function for desert tribe people uh 2000 years ago water. or 2500 years ago or 3000 years ago yeah don't give water yeah. to the dead right exactly uh they didn't exactly have access to water to bathe so maybe that was a yeah. factor yeah whereas like uh people indigenous to the united states had plenty of water there's water everywhere around here so yeah, I mean, yeah. so it's like one of those things where, like, evolutionarily, humans, homo sapiens, had a foreskin. And evolutionarily, we haven't got rid of it yet, got rid of it yet, you know? Like, the same with the tonsils. Like, you can totally get rid of your tonsils, and you probably have a lot less problems in your life, if you do. I'm not a doctor. Don't do that. But, you know, like, they don't really serve an overabundant purpose in modern times, and they are more likely to cause issue in modern times than not, I guess. From what I've from what I've heard or what I've what I feel like that's my feeling in, in my body like is that true I don't know it could be yeah I have no idea I still have my tonsils so yeah I still have my I haven't tonsils, had a need to cut them all have my yeah I still have my gallbladder still have my spleen I feel still like my if, appendix if, yeah that too I get that uh, you know but I feel like if there was anything that I'd want to get rid of it'd be my tonsils because they sound like problem things right and I just want you know like. If if healthcare and health insurance and money wasn't a thing, I'd be like, eh, you know, like I'm not doing anything this week. Like, why don't you take them out? But I also had my wisdom teeth out as an adult, and that sucked dick. So maybe I wouldn't want them out, you know, because like, it, but now they're gone. So like, it's fine. But you know what I mean? Like, it's one of those weird things. But going back to our previous one of our previous episodes about tattoos and tanning and ear piercings, if it's not a medical necessity. You know, so that that uh, law article that I that I was referencing, they basically said, like, if it's not a medical necessity, then any genital cutting, genital surgery is mutilation. I fall into the category of if it's not medically necessary, that is something that should be up to that individual once they are an adult. Yes, and I know that I messes with certain religious groups, 
but uh, other religious groups in the past have had to change their practices to comply with secular society. So it's not unprecedented. Yeah. And the other thing is that, uh, so Lutherans, anyway, believe at baptism at birth. Right. Uh, but the Baptists believe in baptism when the person is old enough to understand the covenant that they're entering with God. Yes. So that is a very drastic change. Uh, I know in Jewish culture, it is on the eighth day they get their, their bris, their circumcision. Um, I was told that, uh, and there's some like pretty good like YouTube videos out there. Uh, there's one, and I don't know if it was uh, Simha's friend or somebody else, but they were kind of doing like a impromptu song about the first time they were drunk was when they were eight days old, because in Jewish custom, they will take some wine and rub the baby's gums with wine so that they're kind of like drunk during the, during the procedure. Now, I mean, not drunk, but like, you know what I mean? It, it kind of the same as like the modern northern Midwestern saying, oh, yeah, my baby cried uh, in the 90s or 80s. So I gave him a little bit of uh, whiskey or rum and they brandy. Me and I went to sleep. Yep. Brandy. A little brandy. Yeah. So, you know, but they rub wine on the gums and uh, apparently the baby doesn't cry for more than like 10, 15 minutes during the ceremony. But, you know, it's still like maybe it is a better choice for an adult because it is irreversible. Uh, right. My, I, like my I, mentality, I, I, you know. I read, I read an article. Maybe I didn't read an article. Maybe I watched a video. But a uh, Jewish rabbi had uh, mouth herpes, and he was doing these brisses. And I guess that in whatever subsect of Judaism that this rabbi was a member of, the pastor, the rabbi, like sucks the baby's dick after he cuts it, and uh, oh, no. he was spreading herpes to Jewish male children through this okay. ritual. And I don't think it was, it's like sucking, it's like kissing or whatever. I don't really know the details yeah, and the, I'm not going to pretend to know. On, yeah, it's not yeah. a full on sexual act. No, it is not uh, a sexual but there, but there, act. But there's also, um, there's also something where if you have a newborn baby, don't let anybody kiss them because mm -hmm. you can get like the cold sores, herpes or whatever, you know, like they could get that real easily because they don't have the immune system up for that. So, I mean, there's definitely some scientific basis. I don't, I don't know about the whole, like what they do, but. You don't have to be a medical professional to perform a circumcision, basically, as long as you have kind of the, re the religious grounds to do it on, I guess. Right. Because like, well, I know that the aren't, aren't medical doctors. No, no, they're not. Uh, some probably are, but some might be, I don't think yeah. it's a I mean, requirement. It's not mutually exclusive. I'm just saying like most probably aren't. Right. And uh, I know for a fact, because I read many stories about it, that in Minnesota, they wanted to ban female genital mutilation. And there was some pushback about that because oh, uh, okay. the Somali population, that is uh, not an uncommon thing in Somalia. And it came to a head. The Somali population in Minnesota is not an uncommon thing. Well, no. Yeah. I mean, uh, <laughs> outside of Somalia, Minnesota is the largest group of Somalians. Yeah. It's kind of like their diaspora area. But I know that they were performing female genital mutilation. Uh, okay. not sure if they still are, but they were getting in some hot water and, uh, somebody brought their child across state lines and did it in like Michigan or something. It okay. kind of blew up. Yeah. Uh, and I'm against that, uh, entirely, oh, sure. uh, unless it's an adult again, like if yeah. your well, adult if, if self wants to do something, you know, yeah, but there we go. Like age of consent is age of consent and we need to draw a line on where it is and follow yeah. it with everything. 
Yeah, and we talked about that with the previous episode too. Like, we don't really have a, a one specific age of consent because you got voting, which is less, which is more than legal age to drive, but less than legal age to smoke cigarettes now, less than legal age to drink alcohol. Yep. And the age of uh, consent age for sex. A car. Yeah. Yeah. The age of consent for sex varies by state. It's not a national yeah. Some law. Some states is 16, like Oklahoma is 16. Minnesota is 16. 16 or 15 if their partner is 18. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, some of that stuff seems like gross and icky, but some of it is like, well, if you're a high school senior who's 18 and you're dating like a sophomore who's 17, is that underage or not? Like, so some, I mean, you know, some of the laws make sense because they just kind of have to, but, you know, but if in you're life. Leonardo DiCaprio and you're dating a freshman in high school, yeah, it's, it's unwise. probably still okay because you're a Hollywood superstar and uh, love Epstein Island, but, <laughs> you know, for the rest of us, that's not okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Life, there's a lot of gray areas in life. Uh, there's a lot of gray areas. I think, you know, I feel like circumcision should, should be up to the individual and not like, like, even if we're looking at it religious through, through a religious lens, like I know a lot of religion stuff happens because the parents are like, I want my child to not go to hell. But that's not a good reason to do something for your child, probably. I sympathize with the religious argument uh, because people feel very sensitive about it. But in the United States, Muslim men are not allowed to have more than one wife. Mormons yeah. aren't allowed to have more than one wife. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, we yeah, have yeah. these rules. Uh, yeah. and, uh, you know, like, I understand it. Like, if you strongly believe in your religion that your child needs to be circumcised or they're going to hell. Like, I understand why you'd want to do it. I do. I understand that. I understand that. I'm not trying to come at you. I'm just saying, like, I understand that. Part of it is you also have to understand that your child might not have the same religion as you. They might not have the same political viewpoint as you. They might not have the same social viewpoint as you. And at some point, I think, this this goes back, and I have a lot of issues at work internally in my head, right? Because a lot of the managers are like, hey, I'm a leader. And I'm like, that no, you're a manager. You're not you're not a leader. Like manager does not equal leader. A leader's job is not to create followers, it's to create more leaders so you don't have as much work to do. Like you're supposed to you're supposed to hold people up so they can do for themselves what they should be able to do for themselves and lead more people. You know what I mean? Right. And kind of and kind of the same the same mentality I have with uh parenting, you know, like yeah, do I want to help my child? Of course, all the time. As much help as I can give them. But sometimes the help I can give them is not helping them. You know, and it's a weird thing to say. But like, if I know my child is capable of doing a certain thing, then I'm not going to do that thing for them. I'm going to help them do that thing. Or I'm going to make them do that thing. Or I'm going to like, you know what I mean? So like at some point, like you can't project these things. Or maybe, you know, maybe not can't, but like I feel like people shouldn't project these things and say, I know my child wants a covenant with God at eight days old. Right. And it's not the same thing as baptism because rubbing some magic water and ashes uh, and oil on a baby and saying some, you know, incantation does not affect them in any significant way in the long term. Or during COVID Uh, times, uh, shooting them with a super soaker full of holy water. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I'm not I'm not trying and so I'm not trying to like poop on you if you're if you're religious and you circumcise your child and you do this and you do that. Or if there's a medical reason. But I think like my kind of general opinion is if you're doing it because it's a covenant with God, then the person giving up the most, aka the foreskin, I guess, should be fully aware of the covenant that they're making. Right. right. Like 
I have a three-year-old. I could I could go to her tomorrow and be like, hey, uh, will you promise to take care of daddy when daddy's pooping his pants? And she'd be like, oh, I'd love to. That'd be the best. But she's three, you know? And so for me, to for me when I'm, you know, 90, it's saying like, look, you promised when you were three, you'd take care of me. And she's like, it's too much. I can't do it. Like, that's not fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, again, it all goes back to what rights does an individual have? And what rights do they not have, you know? Yeah. And bodily bodily autonomy, to me, seems pretty fucking important. Uh, and that so. goes I think so. past this topic to, like, drug use and all sorts of other things that are not all legit in our basically. society. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, I don't suggest anybody go out and uh, start banging heroin, uh, but I don't think that it should be illegal either. Like, Yeah, for sure. I'm not recommending it, but... If that's what you want to do, if you're if you're an adult and you have the, all the relevant information about what's going on in the world with that topic, you should have the right to do it. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess like, I, I don't on, recommend on a lot of things. Hand, <laughs> yeah, on one hand, and so I've read some studies that um, you know, generally speaking, the poorer communities don't get the same level of sex education in school that the less poor communities get. Right, mm-hmm. so. It kind of feeds into the poor communities always have more kids and yada, yada, whatever. And we talked about like in our, is this term racist or not? Like the ghettos and stuff like that. And, you know, ghetto is kind of sort of totally like a racist term, but they're not being taught the same thing. So, and I'm, and I'm not trying to nitpick. I'm just saying like when you're saying like if they're an adult and if they have all the, the relevant information, then they can choose to do heroin, which is fine, but like, who's saying that they have all the relevant information? And I know, like, you can go to the library. Everybody can go to the library and get free internet access, and you can look up heroin, and you can learn all about it. You know, and we've talked about this too. Like, on some level, it's a societal issue where we don't have that societal responsibility. We don't have a unified thing. And you know, in Florida, where they don't want, uh, at least initially, they didn't want the teachers telling the kids about different sexualities, the presupposition was that the, the the parents would then fill that role. But the truth is the parents are not filling that role. No. And if they are, a lot of times they're filling their children's head with things that are not scientifically accurate, right? Yes, uh, exactly. So that, <laughs> I mean, you know, like... But it's so I guess it's like it's not limited to circumcision and we're not trying to call call people out for religious reasons of circumcision. But if we're trying to say that we we want adults to make the choice, the law already says you have to be 18 to get a tattoo. So I right. don't understand how anybody on the planet can say we're going to circumcise you at 8 days old. This isn't a religious this isn't a religious this is a legal, like as an as a society, this is a legal thing. I'm not saying as a religion you shouldn't. I'm just saying like legally in America, we say you have to be 18 to get a tattoo. Even if you have parental consent, you can't do it before 18. Right. And piercings, certain piercings, they do, they do allow people to pierce their children's ears, but I don't think that they allow them to get piercings like more adult themed piercings. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well, we talked about this too, is like most uh, ear piercing places won't do it before the age of eight. Sure. A lot of them won't do it till they're adults, but you know, that's, it, well, I mean, yeah, like that's infant, not a bad thing. Infant, I mean, infant ear piercing used to be a huge thing, but nowadays it's kind of fallen out of favor, at least legally and and whatnot. So it's is, I mean, it, I don't know. You know, I think uh, I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather ha- rather have an ear piercing than my foreskin cut off. I guess. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's less in the of grand a problem. Scheme of life. Right. I got my ears pierced when I was eighteen or nineteen. So. 
Yeah, they look my my parents didn't force me to get it. Yeah, well, I used to wear hoops. I I took them out years ago when I uh, got my first real job, and it was frowned upon by my employer. Like catches in them, right? (laughs) Didn't have long hair then either. (laughs) But your girlfriend did. Hey, oh, hey. So yeah, yeah. my fingers are burning, man. How about yours? Uh, yeah, I'm done. I just got done. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm like uh, two puffs from being done. This was a, a really good cigar. It's very very consistent. Yep, it was consistent all throughout. The way through. All good the way stick. Through. First puff to last puff. Yep, very smooth. Uh, very smooth. It wasn't um, mind blowing, but it was good. Uh, it wasn't mind blowing, but uh, I don't know what do these go for, Mike? I don't know. We'll have to look it up. Google the show. <laughs> Yeah. Google right. the uh, show. Somebody else can Google it. I'm just saying, like, you know, if you wanted something that was solid, uh, this one was fairly light. It wasn't uh, wasn't overpowering. There was, it, was, it was very, very nice. This wouldn't be bad yeah. to have a box of, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. So I'm bringing up page, cigarinternational.com. All right, all right. Uh, which is a semi, you know, semi-reputable site. And you can get... A uh, box of five, and we had a Toro for those who want to know, and they're fifty bucks for five, so they're about ten bucks a stick, probably Perfect. thirteen at your local uh, store of choice. I mean, I guess, yeah. which is, you know, if you're looking at a fifteen-ish dollar cigar, thirteen-ish dollar cigar, you're most likely going to get a good one. Yep. So yeah, yeah, I know I got these. Always, I get them on sale. I don't know what I paid for oh, them. Oh, for sure. I won't. I won't deny yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> not a bad stick, and this is a stick that I would not hesitate to give to somebody who's like, I want to try a cigar. I've never tried one before. Oh, absolutely. Very, yeah. Very, very nice stick, I think. Yep. It's a good um, representation of what a cigar should be. Yeah, and it, you know, it's got a nice presentation with oh, the, yeah. um, the, the little cedar wrapper. Yep, it's got good uh, shelf appeal. Yes. Which is important in a luxury product like this, for sure. Yes, yes. So. So anyway, um, I hope we gave you shed some light on uh, circumcision. Uh, kind of a difficult topic to talk about as to dudes, uh, but maybe no more difficult. Uh, than I don't think else. it was. I think it's perfect that it was two dudes. Uh, I like the yeah. history of it. You know, it gives context to uh, yeah, like it started American. out as a class thing. You know, like yeah. uh, priests and things, and uh, showing their ultimate devotion to their uh, their god and and cleanliness and, and things like that. So I guess like even from ancient times, you know, 3000 some BC, a foreskin was kind of seen as maybe dirty or more peasant class or something. So Oh, sure. I mean, if you were a peasant, uh, you certainly couldn't get that procedure done safely. No. Uh, and, yeah. I, and I feel like maybe the class thing was the most interesting thing I came across in the entire entirety of my research was it was kind of a class thing. And even in America, there's kind of a class thing where it's like upper middle class people get a circumcision under the guise of religion, but it's kind of really a class thing and not so much a religious thing. You know, like Lutherans don't really care according to their tenants, but a lot of Lutherans do because a lot of Lutherans are upper middle class. Right. And I, a lot of Catholics do not. And that's also a class thing because of the historical anti-semitism of the catholic church i think yeah, that's sure. my opinion <laughs> so i mean that was i think that was my biggest takeaway from the uh, all of my research was it was maybe more class than anything to do with medicine or religion necessarily right you know, it was kind of done under the guise or excuse of religion but it had more to do with class sure makes sense 
So once again, it comes down to economic status and class. (laughs) As most things do in life. It seems to be a uniting factor. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. So that's it for this episode. Yes. Be safe, have fun. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.